Hello, this is uh, Kelly McGee, and today's date is October the 5th, 2020. Hold on a sec. I think it might be the 6th, 2020. And um, I have finished uh, part one of the uh, Bigfoot alien connection, and we're on part two. As we learn, this is often how a Bigfoot encounter is described. Described as spiritual in nature. This kind of contact has been a big part of most native cultures. Bigfoot is known in North America through ancient rock art and stories of Native American encounters. It's where the name Sasquatch or Hairy Giant got its origins. It seems that Native or First Nation people are more open to Bigfoot encounters, both in the past and even now in the present. Winona Kirk, a Lakota, had her own transformational Bigfoot encounter. Some elders would say they're, they're uh, spirit, part spirit, part animal. But uh, the First Nations people, uh, and my relatives, have kind of a mystical or spiritual way of looking at all of creation. So... Um, I did talk to some elders who said, oh, you know, I had them, you know, around my camp. Research has shown that after World War II, reports of Sasquatch encounters were growing in number. But the big change in the awareness of Bigfoot occurred in 1967, when what became known as the Patterson-Gimlin film showed the mysterious beast as it lumbered along a northern California riverbank. Since then, not only have reports of Bigfoot encounters skyrocketed across America and the world, but also in many ways, it initiated a new era of cryptozoology researchers, in particular, Bigfoot investigators. Bigfoot investigators who begin intense searches for the big hairy beast. Cliff Berrickman, acclaimed Bigfoot researcher and one of the hosts of the hit Animal Planet series, Finding Bigfoot, is one of the major proponents of Bigfoot being a living, breathing animal. From my personal experience, I've never had anything happen, ever, that would convince me that these things are anything other than a perfectly normal species of ape or higher primate of some sort that shares a planet with us. While working for the American Museum of Natural History in New York, Dr. Esteban Sarmiento was the go-to primatologist on evidence relating to Bigfoot. If Bigfoot did exist, and he is a great ape, he, he didn't come from North America. He must have came over from Asia. And that's the other thing, too. When you look at uh, you know, First Nation or you look at you know American okay. Indian lore, it's not an animal that lives down in, you know, Guadalajara, you know, in, in Mexico or the, or the Caribbean. It's an animal that's really coming from the Northwest. And it has, like, the same distribution as other animals that came over the Bering Strait from Asia. Because of so many reports from nearly every corner of the world, all the Bigfoot investigators agreed that there must be at least a couple thousand Bigfoot distributed across the planet. However, descriptions varied. The appearance of a Sasquatch is somewhere between like an adult gorilla and a human being. Generally speaking, an adult male Sasquatch stands between 8 and 9 feet tall, 
They're very, very broad-shouldered, um, about maybe about three and a half, four feet wide at the shoulder. Uh, a lot of times they kind of narrow with the hips a little bit, very, very muscular. They obviously have a different neck structure, a different leg structure, a different bone structure than we do. I've heard of Sasquatches uh, being reddish in color, black in color, gray, coyote colored, sort of like all, the, the fur runs the gamut. And so does the skin tone as well. I've heard of like Caucasian kind of skin tones. I've heard gray, dark black, I've heard reddish, all these things. Sasquatches have a huge genetic diversity, as would be expected of a species like that. At the same time, numerous Bigfoot research organizations were established across North America and Europe. The granddaddy of them all is the Bigfoot Field Research Organization. Trained investigators examine and record hundreds of Bigfoot encounters every year. And of course, there are an endless parade of sketchy videos showing obscure images of Bigfoot. Oh, there you go. Most are easily recognized as hoaxes. After more than 50 years of failure to capture or videotape clearly a single Bigfoot, the attitude towards what this creature is began to change. Change as contact reports were cataloged and a group of investigators noticed some patterns that pointed to not an elusive primate, but something more paranormal, something alien, something that is a non-human intelligence greater than our own. The characteristics that are associated with the paraphysical nature of Bigfoot include telepathic communication, people who have had especially multiple close encounters, and a lot of these would be individuals who spend a lot of time in the woods, like people who are hunting, fishing, camping, or maybe they live in remote areas. Uh, they feel that they have telepathic communication with these, these beings, and that they are intelligent, maybe even superior to human beings. And uh, mm -hmm. many of these messages are uh, benign uh, or friendly. There, there are people who have had uh, more aggressive ex encounters where um, the Sasquatch is, is a little more hostile and maybe it's because they feel that their territory has been intruded upon. So we have telepathy. We have uh, what would be called as bilocation or rapid transport. And that's the ability to be here and then suddenly there without visual means of getting there. Uh, that has been described on many occasions where uh, people will see a being like in front of them and then suddenly it's behind them and they don't see it go behind them. How did it get there? It's just suddenly there. You're walking into a clearing which I could see it was lit up by the sun. There was trees that were about 20 yards apart and he was walking in between two crops of trees, pine trees, going out into a clearing. And as he walked into the clearing, there was a shimmer that began at a circle. And it came in like this, and it kept going like this. And as he kept walking, everything that was on the outside of the shimmer disappeared. And it got to the center, and it just went away. And at that point, it was gone. And I observed closely to see if there was any way that it could have shifted right or left or if it went straight ahead, but it didn't. It was walking into the clarity, and it just vanished. And everybody got excited. I couldn't believe what we saw. It was just really a life-changing experience for me. If, if a Bigfoot
Bigfoot seems to want to be material and tangible. It seems to have the ability to do that and then to turn itself into something intangible as though it's going through uh, an interdimensional doorway. Jim Myers is typical of a Bigfoot investigator who has changed his mind about the nature of Bigfoot. I came to the conclusion that Bigfoot's more than an ape, more than America's great ape, and probably even more than just a, an undiscovered species in America or around the world, actually. Um, I think they're, they're not categorized yet, obviously. We don't have a body. We don't have bones. There's a lot of reasons for that, I think, but um, probably the primary reason that, that led me to concluding that there may be even extraterrestrial in origin is the fact that they disappear in front of people. I have two personal friends that have watched a Sasquatch while they are watching it literally shrink and disappear to nothing, kind of go pixelated and be gone. And I've experienced something, and I have other friends as well who've experienced something that we would call cloaking, where there was something there, but you could see through it, but it was, there was just something there that you couldn't actually see. I call it the predator effect from the movie Predator. And so those two things, the cloaking and the disappearing, said to me anyway, these are my own conclusions. If Sasquatch can disappear, seemingly at will, um, one, where do they go? Did they go? Did they go cloaked and they're still there? Or did they go out of this dimension? My own opinion, and of course nobody has anything but opinions in this realm, is that they go into a different dimension and started looking out the windows through binoculars and just kind of scanning the, the beautiful scenery and came over between these two trees, these two parallel trees, and something looked odd. And it was this kind of pixelated image, and as I drew it into more definition, it, it was in the shape of a Sasquatch. And I took the binoculars down to make sure that I wasn't, you know, <laughs> and it was still there. I thought, wow, and I put them back up and down and back up. And then I thought in my head, in order for me to believe what I'm seeing, you're going to have to move. And then it moved because it, wow. it was facing full front, they're, turned to the side, are. and it turned back. And I just immediately was just overwhelmed with gratitude that I got to see something like that. Arguably, if they were just normal, unknown apes, there shouldn't be any paranormal aspects at all. You know what I mean? There should not be anything that, that deals with animals vanishing. Yes, you know, you don't get reports from Africa of people seeing gorillas vanish or weird lights around them. You don't see, um, like, monkeys, you know, for example, things like that vanishing in the flash of an eye. So why should you see Bigfoot? The answer is you shouldn't. You should not see this a creature, died. even if we don't know what it is. Yeah, it shouldn't be vanishing. It shouldn't be be seen with strange light. This one guy, um, he's the one that famously filmed a Bigfoot. He had the camera set up on his shoulder looking backward. Um, because, you know, he figured, well, the um, Sasquatch will see me leaving and he'll come out and see if I'm gone. And that's exactly what happened. So he got it um, 
from the behind when we had him from behind and there was something else I was going to tell you but I forgot but anyway here we go oh shoot hold on folks lights and UFOs in the sky so there's got to be something that goes beyond that it is kind of funny uh, I think there are there's ample evidence that there are creatures that I will call Bigfoot because I don't know what else to call them here. Whether these are transplants from someplace else, maybe the heavy lifters for the aliens that are coming here, I don't know. Or the aliens uh, that were here. I think they're part of the picture of us having to realize that we need to expand our view of ourselves, our planet, our neighborhood. Another Bigfoot investigator who changed his mind about the primate nature of Bigfoot is Ron Moorhead. His what is called the Sierra Sounds, recorded in the California Sierra Mountains, are some of the chills. most compelling evidence of Bigfoot's alien origin. Unearthly voices are another paranormal feature associated with Bigfoot. I'd hug a tree. Help. When I first encountered a family of these things in the 70s, uh, we thought they were probably just an ape out there, and, and we treat them as such. Uh, but they're more than that. We couldn't trick them. We tried. We couldn't get a picture. We tried. One thing we captured was their vocalizations. has been scientifically studied now and by Dr. Curran year-long study showing that there was a below above and, and uh, in the human range which suggests that they can mimic just about any animal out there. Up in the trees before before I saw that ball of light, there was a it was like 
three or four big uh, pine or fir trees, and way up the t- like 100 something feet up near the tops, they were lit up like a strobe light, like five flashes really fast. But there was no like there was no discernible angle. Like, the light was all encompassing. It wasn't like one direction. So there were shadows and stuff. It was it was all lit up like daylight almost. And but in a box. So and I've, and I've seen ores out there when I've been squatching. I was actually with Renee, who on the show is a skeptic, and she was standing right there. We were, the whole production crew were sitting there watching these two hours just bounce along. They ended up, we measured it later, they were 70 feet from us, going walking pace. And uh, the um, natives tell me that when they travel sometimes, that's how they travel in their spirit form. It's like a ball of light. The phenomena associated with their manifestations defies natural explanation. And I think that we must turn to paraphysical or interdimensional considerations if we're going to fully understand uh, their presence on Earth and their interactions with humans. The conclusion many Bigfoot, alien, and paranormal investigators have come to is that in an important way these events are all part of a spectrum of alien contact experiences occurring right now on the planet. Paranormal events that are showing up in thousands of what are called hotspots found throughout the planet. Hotspots that are said to be thin to the other side or another dimension. Some like the Shimayo Shrine in New Mexico are places of healing and Christian spiritual realization. Some are places like Virginia's Monroe Institute, where people travel to higher planes of existence and learn remote viewing. Others like Stonehenge have long-standing sacred significance for indigenous cultures and are often mentioned in connection with ancient alien contact. Others are places where geophysical and energetic anomalies can be detected and felt. One such hotspot is the Montana Vortex just outside Glacier National Park, identified by the indigenous tribes of the area as a sacred place of healing. It was turned into the House of Mystery, a tourist attraction in 1974. Then in 2014, long-time Bigfoot researcher Joe Hauser bought the property as an opportunity to explore the paranormal. um, Paranormal that included strange photographic effects. The sudden appearance of stick lifts. The presence of orbs. Unexplained aerial phenomena emerging from Columbia Mountain. And a resident Bigfoot whose arm was mysteriously captured on a tourist cell phone photograph. The renovated facility and grounds are open to guided tours during the summer season. Joe showed us some of the rather unusual gravitational and visual effects the place is known for. I'm just going to be a point of reference in the center. I'm not going to change. You're the show now. You're looking pretty tall there. Give me an eyeball here. Pretty tall there. Change sides. Go all the way to the end of the platform. So you're back there by the rock wall. I think you shrunk over there, didn't you? Instantaneously from one side of the energy field to the other. Come on back this way. Walk real slowly. Watch her grow. She goes right in front of me. Just like that. You grew right back up again. Walk around the back. Yeah, go to the back too. Same thing. 
And just like that, you shrunk. Yeah. You got a marble with you by chance? Just in case my level wasn't on the level. Why don't you put a marble down there anywhere you want to put it? You can even move it around if you'd like. And if this platform was a level, we'd have to have about three or four inches difference here. That marble would probably take off and roll somewhere. What are you guys saying? Pretty level? The Housers have located on the property at least five what are called vortexes. Well, we uh, found the center, spiral lines, we found straight lines, and then we found these whirlpools. And the whirlpools get bigger the further they go out. And they actually match up to those mathematical points that Fibonacci figured out in the 12th century still holds true today. Vortex spirals that can produce disruption or distortions in the Earth's geomagnetic field and perhaps the bending of locally generated electromagnetic and electrical fields. This kind of bending could produce some unusual phenomena. Phenomena that include visual distortions, cloaking in many of the paranormal events associated with Bigfoot contacts, as well as unusual personal feelings and sometimes healings. Healings that occur particularly in the big vortex. It's always a good calm energy in there. We built a labyrinth in there. It's kind of a meditation healing walk. These vortexes, because they are magnetic in nature, have a really good healing quality. Then there's the House of Mystery, built around one of the smaller vortexes. Inside, it exhibits rather strange gravitational effects, as demonstrated by Joe Hauser. The house is tilted at 18 degrees on purpose, so we can come inside and have a good time. That's only about a 4 and 12 pitch, so as a carpenter, we could easily walk around on a roof a lot steeper than this and not constantly get pushed downhill. But uh, here's what's going to happen. I'm just going to demonstrate everything for you really quickly, and then you guys can play around with it a little bit yourself. This platform right here is level. People want to know what the house would be like if it's level. Here's your chance to find out. When you stand on it, most of us look at our feet. When you raise your head and you say, I'm not standing straight. I'm leaning forward a couple bubbles off center. You'll do the same. You guys try to stand up straight on here. You can't. The energy will push you over backwards. But once you get on here, give it a try. Just lean back. You'll know exactly when you're 90 degrees because you'll feel it. It rocks you back on your heels, lifts your toes up, just like it wants to toss you through the window. So even if the house was level, we'd have to lean in the field a little bit. While the unusual vortex effects are interesting, it is the reports of Bigfoot unexplained aerial phenomena and orbs that make it a paranormal hotspot as darkness set in we were hoping to film the presence of orbs because they're out, they're out of our our visual light spectrum they're probably in the infrared section of the light spectrum we don't see them uh, then there's uh, some people believe that orbs are souls uh, many of the photos we see here have faces in them that, uh, that almost like you're looking at a human face some of them have animal faces and then some of them appear to be uh, <coughs> be almost like uh, visitors from another dimension they're, they're like a drone they fly around they have intelligence they move uh, around people, they circle people, they avoid trees. And it's like they're being controlled from somewhere else where they have some sort of intelligence that they can move around. As Hauser and his wife Tammy snap pictures with their cameras, we began filming them in the grounds with our infrared night vision turned on. Perhaps no other paranormal phenomena is more closely associated with Bigfoot than orbs. While we had no luck capturing orbs, 
the Hausers were more successful. Pew right there. Uh -huh. A lot more. And then a whole bunch right there. If you have um, an infrared uh, binoculars Morning. with night Big vision, so. that's the perfect Tammy got thing. something on her camera. And you can take them out. The first pictures, and then that. The army makes the best, like a, but of course like they're very expensive. They're starting to manifest the red orb. See that big red orb up there? See that giant one? By far the most interesting results occurred at the end of our filming in a sequence of pictures with us in the frame taken within a second according to the camera timestamp. There's two, three of them with them in there and then there's some out. <laughs> oh yeah. Very strong. We could detect no trickery in the sequence of images. Next we turned our attention to Columbia Mountain where many sightings of UAPs have occurred. But on this night, nothing happened. But earlier, something remarkable happened. While in the mystery house, we took a number of readings with the usual paranormal detection devices. There were no results out of the norm, except that the gamma radiation readings inside the house of mystery were 30 clicks per minute, compared to outside's 20 clicks per minute. But what about the resident Bigfoot that Joe claims to have regular contact with? He talked about him in the mystery house. He's big. He's probably about seven, seven and a half foot tall. Big shoulders, narrow waist. He's a, would be a sub-adult now. He's a young guy still, probably maybe 20, 20, 20 plus years old. But uh, when he... When the g was captured? Yeah, in here, yeah. And uh, he, um, he's in here, we're pretty sure, during the summer. Sometimes I'll bring a chair up, and you can hear, like, a 800-pound person walking across in here. And there's nobody in here. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, or he'll, as you come in, you'll hear him walk out. Like he's already in here, but he shows he likes this area over here. Kind of like he can just stand there and eyeball everybody that comes in and stuff like that. As he's talking about his resident Bigfoot, something startling moves into the frame. As you come in, you'll hear him walk out. Uh, like he's already in here. A fairy moth-like creature appears for a little over three seconds. Here it is in slow motion. Inexplicably, it's the brightest thing in the frame, yeah. as if self-eliminating. Yeah. Of course, one of the most reported capabilities of Bigfoot is their ability to shapeshift, to morph into multiple forms and orbs. There is a bit of irony here in that this giant creature is perhaps showing itself as a tiny fairy-like being. It's as if they have a sense of humor. Sense of humor is one indication of higher intelligence. The more you study the Sasquatch as an entity, the more you start to see sense of humor being thrown back at you with the games and tricks that they play. Tom Powell is one of the early Bigfoot investigators who recognized Bigfoot's alien paranormal nature. He thinks because we were able to capture something on video that whatever they are, they are aware of what we are doing in this documentary and approve mm -hmm. so it was natural that we would ask him to lead us on a visit 
to one of the new paranormal hotspots. A hotspot dubbed the Owl Moon Lab by Bigfoot investigator Tobe Johnson is just outside of Eugene, Oregon, where multiple paranormal, Bigfoot, and alien phenomena are occurring regularly. We wanted to understand why. We're going to head out to what we call the Owl Moon Lab. Uh, it got that name for a reason. I can explain that when we get there. Um, it's, a, it's a parcel of property out of Cottage Grove, not too far from where the London tracks were. On February 12, 2012, 122 prints of a possible Bigfoot were found by Tobe Johnson south of Eugene, Oregon. Accessed by London Road, a road that parallels Cottage Grove Lake, they became known as the London Footprints. Their origin was controversial. Either they are the best example of Bigfoot prints or a great hoax. The flesh and blood Bigfoot community came down on the side of a hoax. But Tom Powell was not so sure. They found not just a few more prints, but dozens of prints that went way out into the lake bed and all the way to the shore of the much reduced reservoir. So they got very excited and uh, called up Cliff Barrickman and I up in Portland we gathered together a bunch of plaster and came down here and cast a, quite a series of prints. In the end, there was approximately 130, uh, some of them better than others. They had all been sitting there for a few days by the time we got there, uh, but they were still pretty well preserved because the mud was so sticky and stiff by then. So we did cast a whole bunch of footprints, and it, it is one of the uh, more famous uh, footprint finds of late for a couple of reasons. Number one, there were so many of them. And uh, number two, they seemed to indicate something about a behavior, the thing walking out on the lake bed and cruising around and then turning around and walking back. So we cast as many as we had plaster to cast. And uh, the controversy continues. There, there are people as always who insist that they're they're fakes and then there's others who dispute that uh, I'm convinced that they're genuine footprints the owl moon lab a few miles away from the footprints turns out to be a property and home owned by Daryl and his wife transplants from California who wanted to be near their grandchildren Surprisingly, the portal, or the origination point of the paranormal activity, is an ordinary shed. Okay, so from here on out, Daryl's only going to be known as Daryl and Cindy because the house is actually up for sale, and we want to keep it a good sale. So that Tom, Tom, Daryl, nice meeting you. Thanks for having us, Ellen. Ellen, you can attest to the craziness here. Yeah, like I always say, I was normal when I got here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is the epicenter. If I would call this anything, this would be the Faraday cage, the transmitter. And putting a capstone on this, okay, is kind of like bottling up a fizzy soda. This is, seems to be where everyone wants to come for whatever reason. It's brand new. It's less than a year and a half old. All mm -hmm. the siding was put up, new garage doors, that cement foundation was laid there. It's just gravel and I feel lumber bad for before a roof. That. 
have a 2K and it's just like so Strange obvious. events started occurring when Tobe and Daryl cast some Bigfoot They're better off without it, And brought really. them back to Daryl's place. But, however, that's... As soon as we brought those knees and housed them here, it seemed like a giant I wanted to wear a wig said, oh, okay. losing hair. You got something. Um, we like it. Part you of like my it. disease. Maybe we'll come visit um, more often. Well, the axiom there is ways, that when you start studying so. them, they start studying you. So, uh, they, that. it, uh, that's, said. that's a John Keel-ism, uh, that he tendered in, back in the 60s when he was mm. looking into these paranormal matters, and the more he looked at it, the more he became aware that he was being observed or scrutinized, and many a Bigfoot researcher has had that experience, that they, they, they know where I live. Yeah. <laughs> One of the most common forms of interaction with Bigfoot and other paranormal entities is called gifting. The unexpected appearance, exchange, and moving of objects such as feathers, rocks, and personal items. The gifts here are extremely personal. They seem to not only listen to what you're saying, but understand who family members are that may have been to this property or haven't been to this property. Some of the things that have happened here are applications, objects that appear out of nowhere or seemingly nowhere. For example, one day uh, I came home from work. I was living right over here in the tree side in a little camper. And Daryl and I walked inside the uh, garage here to download some audio from the evening prior. And I walked back out, I looked at my camper, and there was something sparkly sitting on top of the camper uh, awning. Yes, and it was gold. And I thought, well, what the heck? I just looked at the camper. I know it wasn't there. It's up, you know, a good eight feet, a gold, shiny object. Well, we go, this by now is kind of a routine of bringing things off this camper awning when we turn our back. But recently, Cindy said, bring us a bag of gold. Bring us some gold. <laughs> so when I see gold sitting on top of there, I'm like, is it gold, gold? Well, they got yeah, a sense of humor. So you bring it down, you get it, and it's right. inside there. No. It's an old rifle casing from the 1800s. Oh. I don't know if you remember the old yeah, rifle it's an old casing. Peter's, uh, mm -hmm. Peter's yeah. rifle casing from the They're sitting right up there on yeah. top of it. So that's the kind of sense of humor that right. they have. Right. It's a bag of money. We'll leave a bag with three blackberries sitting hanging on that tree there. How's that? That's your bag that's of money. Cindy has heart surgery, his wife. And they knew they it. bring her a little glass heart and set it by the hummingbird feeder. So this was our rock set up here, and one of the things that we would do, actually only recently after we found out so, that this was a thing that people were doing, is we would spell things out with letters. Mm -hmm. One of the one of the major things that happened here was only recently where I spelled out in letters here, thank you for gifts. Three days later, actually, I think after Henry Franzoni was here and Kirk Sigurdsson, Spelled out with letters and numbers because they didn't have enough letter, letters and numbers, letters to spell out this word. They used numbers. Underneath, thank you for gifts, was spelled welcome. And they used the letter three to make an E and the number four to make a C because they ran out of letters. <laughs> now, an animal could do all this stuff, I'm aware. But we're beyond the fact that it's anything other than an animal at this point because of the fact that we have the sounds of them interacting, vocalizing, speaking. And oh, by the way, Why they don't walk in. When they interact with a puzzle, because we record behind this wall, 
they interact with the puzzle like they're hanging like Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible. Mm -hmm. They drop into existence. You hear them vocalize, huff. They do the percussive, whatever. And then they work the puzzle, and then they're gone. Hmm. People in the neighborhood constantly report many cases of an unexplained aerial phenomenon. Daryl describes what he captured on his cell phone one evening. I believe it was a, like a Sunday night right when high school graduation stuff was going on. And I brought my dog out about 11 at night. And right above that tree line there, I saw something that appeared to be fireworks going off. So I thought that maybe there's some kids up in the woods doing fireworks for graduation or something. As I stood there for a minute, the thing started coming this way, and it wasn't fireworks. And I tried to hold my phone as good as I could, and it just kept going all over the place. It was really hard to stay up with. But then it would just flash, look like a jellyfish or something, like flash, expand, flash, go off, vanish for a minute sometimes, and then come right back in a little different area. And then it just kept doing that, doing that, and then it got right over me, and it just went out. And it was gone. And I stood there for a while and it never came back. Here's the UAP enhanced and slowed down. Watch it change shape. It also has an unusual center. Much of the most significant paranormal activity here comes from Tobe and Daryl's EVPs known by ghost hunters as electronic voice phenomena. That is, audio recordings that let you hear from spirit voices that are not picked up by the human ear. Some of these have the quality of ghosts. We got an EVP the day of the funeral of the boy that committed suicide that grew up in this room, the prior owners. The day of his memorial, we got an EVP of a child saying, I'm dead. We went in there to check the EVP, and we found these. And these are little tiny four-fingered handprints that are infused into the bedroom door. They're chalky white handprints about twice as small as mine. These are the actual prints here, and if you can see, they're very unusual anatomically. Yeah. They have hard line edges in the palm here. They're gnarled at the fingertips and kind of twisted. Tobe invited Tom to listen to a number of the unusual sounds they have recorded in and outside the shed. This is what this place turns into. sounds that have been recorded at Owl Moon Lab. 
decided to see if we could record any paranormal activity in the shed. Tobe described the setup we we're going to use. So it's as simple as putting a recording device here and a speaker outside. So everyone's going to come outside and kind of let this little portal, for lack of a better word, start to introduce itself to us in the area and some new faces. And whether or not that makes a difference, I don't know. Um, I think it might. And then uh, one by one, we'll send people in here to see if we can measure that on camera. We waited outside and listened for something to happen. Finally, we heard a knock from inside the shed. Well, that was good. Okay. Nice work. So that's kind of how you warm it up. The time had come to send some of us into the shed and see what we could record. Nothing happened until our co-producer, Alan Margargle, went inside with his camera, camera audio, and infrared lights. At first, there was nothing. But then, things started occurring. I heard that. Nope, but I heard it. Loud sounds coming from inside the shed. I heard that. With no apparent cause. Ask it a question, Alan. Can you make more noise so I know you're here? I heard that little cracking. saw anything move. Crack sound. Loud crack sound. I don't even know what that sound was. It sounded like something trying to get in. something. I got cold in here. Are you here? I heard that. That's uh, the corner right by you. That was a little noise, uh, center wall towards you. I feel that chill again. I did not hear a knock. 
Allen described the feeling of a strong presence surrounding him. It felt like something had entered the shed. Fortunately, we were able to verify to some degree the peculiar nature of the Owl Moon Lab and its potential as a portal. A paranormal hotspot with a wide range of unusual events constantly occurring in a single geographical location. All pointing to the emerging idea that most paranormal phenomena are part of a connected otherworldly landscape. In this case, Bigfoot. Ghosts. Voices from the other side. EVPs and unexplained sounds coming from an otherwise normal shed. that small crack what we constantly heard from paranormal bigfoot investigators was expect the unexpected what we're starting to find is that there are power spots there are places where things happen much more frequently than the rest of these places uh, it appears that there are places throughout the earth where energy is focused People describe them differently. Ley lines, uh, vortexes, uh, uh, even even black holes are considered to be one of these places where energy That's is what concentrated. I'm read what we're finding, I think, is that these places exist on the surface of the Earth. And if you put yourself in these places, if you can first identify these places and then put yourself in them, uh, things happen with a lot more regularity and things happen a lot Street more dramatically Journal. so as much as anything we're just going around trying to find these power spots trying to find these vortexes wormholes whatever you want to call them and then see what's going on there that uh, we can hopefully begin to understand so what is going on here the yeah. evidence is growing stronger and perhaps governments already know full well that we are not alone here in our solar system. That we are moving towards an alien contact singularity that will change everything we believe about ourselves and our place in the world. Perhaps all you have to do is open your mind to your own personal alien or Bigfoot awakening and they will find you. After all, it's their game we are playing. Okay, I enjoyed that. Um, you know, I wanted to find something that wasn't um, somebody's um, hunt for Bigfoot. I wanted a um, collection of um, intelligent people talking about the subject and what they thought. And we had a lot of important people, Mary, uh, I always get her name wrong, Rosemary Ellen Guiley and Stanton Friedman, and there was five or six other ones that were very um, astute as far as Bigfoot goes. So I'm very pleased with uh, what we got from that. Um, and 
you know, they, they didn't talk about the infrasound, which I think is incredibly important because um, if you get too close to them or if they don't like you because they are empaths, they can tell what kind of a person that you are even from, well, from far away, um, then they can send out what's called... Uh, it's called a what did I just say um, infrasound and it hits you it reverberates your body and it makes you sick it can make some people it can kill some people if it's hard enough so I hope you enjoyed that and thank you for listening bye bye